Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Well, good morning, Liberty. How are we doing this morning? I started too early. They're still receiving the the offering. It's been seven months since I preached, so I'm, I'm... I'm a little bit rusty on the, the beginnings. Well, good morning. Just we're going to keep on going through. I trust that uh, this Thanksgiving was a good time to uh, celebrate God's faithfulness uh, with the family around a meal. And uh, I also understand um, that while there is celebration for many and much reasons to be thankful, um, I want to to word to you that I know that there are probably some here that uh, this Thanksgiving was the first time that you've gotten together with family um, and a loved one was not there. Um, And so, uh, mindful of both the celebration and I trust that as you uh, go into the days and the weeks and the months and the years ahead that you would continue to celebrate the lives of those loved ones that... um, that have gone before us and are in the presence of Jesus. For the past two months, we have been going through the book of Luke. I believe this is our second or third installment of going through the book of Luke verse by verse. And uh, we've been spending time in chapter 6. Chapter 6, we are wrapping up this morning, and this is a familiar passage. It's a familiar passage to many of us, and I just, isn't it, isn't it amazing how we can look at the same passage over and over, and they don't get old? Because there's a depth to Scripture that is never fully mined. As Charles Spurgeon wrote, Nobody ever outgrows Scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. And I'm sure that if Spurgeon were alive today, and if he were a college football fan, he would say, go blue. All right. If you know, you know, that's it. That's, I couldn't stay, I couldn't resist that. Couldn't resist that. Three in a row. Um, anyways, my name's Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the opportunity and the privilege to opening up God's Word um, this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to the sixth chapter of Luke. Today's Uh, passage, as I said, will be the final verses of this chapter, and if you are looking for um, uh, the page on the Bible in the pew, it is page 863, and as you are able, please stand with me as I read God's Word. 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock, and when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we we ask this morning that you would give us ears to hear, minds to comprehend, and hearts to receive your word. And we pray that as we do that, even today, today may be the salvation for some, and today may be a day of renewed obedience and faith. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but this passage, as I read through it the previous weeks in prep for this, it brings back memories of Sunday school for me. A song, the snacks, the smells. The song, you know, the wise man and the foolish man. And how many know the song that I'm talking about? All right, many of us. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up, up. The rains came down and the floods came up, up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. Ooh, some of you almost jumped ahead to the house on the sand went splat. All right, so we are not going to sing the second verse, but it kind of goes the same, the same way, but it's the foolish man built his house upon the sand, the rains came down, and the house on the sand went splat. Favorite part of the song growing up, was splat, it was the loudest, most obnoxious part in sounding. But there were the snacks too, right? And like, no other snack setting seemed to pair cookies and refreshments that worse complemented one, en- one another than the Sunday school classroom. Again, if you know, you know. A lemon, a lemon cookie that wanted so bad to be an Oreo, but it was far from it, and a watered-down punch drink that always left the Sunday school-going child wanting more. And for me, there was the smell. It was the, the perfume of the Sunday school teacher that was always too much. (laughs) All joking aside, as a child, I don't think I was able to pick up how sobering this passage actually was. It is a sobering passage. It is in this passage where Jesus is speaking to his audience, where he has drawn a line that is echoed through time as a warning but also 
an invitation to all who would follow after him. Pastor Tim shared from this pulpit weeks ago a sentence that probably got your attention. And it's, Jesus is not looking for Christians. He is looking for disciples. And Jesus' word for us today gets at that. And while it could be said that America has greatly drifted from being a nation that holds to basic Christian beliefs, identifying as a Christian in thought is still strongly present. As of 2021, nearly 63% of Americans identified as Christian. Jesus' question to us today, or his parable that he spells out, is not merely do we identify as a Christian. He's asking, are you my disciple So who is the audience? Who is the audience that Jesus is speaking to as he first shared these words? In chapter 6 and verse 17, it tells us that there was a great crowd of his disciples, and there was a great multitude of people from all of Judea, the region of Judea, and Jerusalem. And in that crowd, there would have been Disciples, non-disciples, and a third group that Jesus is singling out, a group of fake disciples, if you will. These individuals would be people who seemed to check all of the correct boxes on paper that would make them and some others to believe that They were true disciples. These individuals could have held to the correct doctrine. They could have shown emotion in worship and even served in many ways. And there's a parallel passage to this passage found in the book of Matthew. It will be up on the screen, and it gives more depth to the individuals that Jesus is speaking to and actually has them word a response to what Jesus says here in Luke. And in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? They're rattling off their, their, their resume and what they have. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's probably a reason that those words didn't make it into the Sunday school song. This is a sobering passage. What do we see in this passage? We see the same phrase, Lord, Lord, and we, know, we may know that in Scripture... 
When a word is repeated, it intensifies what is being communicated. The word Lord is a title that in Jesus' day was a title that Rome would have said was only to be used for Caesar. Caesar is Lord, ruler over the world, and for an individual to call Jesus Lord was a slap in the face to Rome. To say Jesus is Lord would have gotten you into trouble with Rome. Address Jesus as Lord, Lord would have been an intensifying phrase of that allegiance in word. Lord, Lord, these people, they have the correct title of Jesus. That's also followed up with their title as a list of things that they did. Did we not prophesy in your name? Hey, we shared things about you that were true. It could be said that they spoke the correct doctrine. Hey, we cast out demons. There were people that were demon-possessed who are no longer demon-possessed. And we did many good works. We did things that caused, that like great things happened because of us serving. Now, as we sit here today and we look at prophesying, casting out demons, and do many great works in your name, that doesn't really connect so much with us here in our setting, but maybe it would be a phrase like this, Jesus, Jesus, did you not see that I went to church faithfully every Sunday? Jesus, Jesus, did you not see that I worshipped you in song with tear-filled eyes? Jesus, Jesus, did you not see that I was teaching Sunday school? Those are good things. But as we will see, Jesus is not going after those things. Those are good things and they are needed And Jesus uses the construction of a house in his parable. And when we get down to it, what Jesus is saying to us as we sit here in 2023, almost 2024, that we are all builders. We're all builders. We're building something. We are building lives. We're going after goals. Our building is comprised of many small decisions and experiences, and it matters what we build on. In the passage, we see the wise man first who takes the time to build on a solid foundation, and the foolish man who just builds on the ground. He saves some money, I suppose, and upon finishing the homes, it would have been difficult to tell the difference in the structural design of each of the homes, just looking at it. They could have looked pleasing to the eye of any beholder. For the first four years of um, marriage of Laura and I, we lived in a small borough in northeast Pennsylvania. The name of the the name of that small borough, they named it, it was boroughs, not towns. That must be an Eastern thing. It's called German, J-E-R-M-Y-N, named after a, a person. It was proud of two things. German was proud of two things. It was the birthplace of first aid and 
the Windsor Inn. And the Windsor Inn was not a hotel or a motel, but it was a restaurant, and they were known as having the world's second best hot wings. (laughs) Second only to Buffalo, naturally, the original home of the hot wing. And in our time there, I noticed that the town's homes were built on a fairly, like, thin stretch of land that went in the middle of the valley through the the Pocono region there. And I had the opportunity to speak with an older gentleman who lived in Germany his entire life. And I'd noticed that all of the original homes kept in that, like, small, thin area. And I could understand, like, okay, you're going to build there. But newer homes had been built, like, on the outside of town. And I can understand that because if you're going to build a house, you can't build it over an existing house. And you go over there and build it. But I noticed that these lands and the properties that these newer homes were built on, I'm like, it, it looks better. The property is nicer. It has a better view. And, like, why... I'm talking to this older gentleman. I'm like, why, why wasn't the town really built like in the area that these newer homes are built? He said, well, the reason that German is the birthplace of first aid is because German was a coal mining town back in the day. And they figured out a way to reach men in need of care through prepping basic um, needs for the coal miners who needed it in the mines. He also shared that nobody worked who worked in coal mines would ever build their house over mine shafts. Wait. You're telling me that the newer homes are built over abandoned mine shafts? He responded, many of them are. And it's not uncommon for these newer homes to form cracks in their walls because of the settling of the house because it was built over these mine shafts. And every once in a while, you would see on the news of entire homes vanishing into the ground when these old mines would collapse. These homes looked good. These homes had all of the things that anybody would ever want, and many of them were built on a hollow foundation, much like the foolish man in Jesus' parable building his house with no foundation. We're all builders. If we were to go dig deep down into your life, what would be found? We're all builders. Secondly, storms are coming. Notice that the passage does not say if the storms come. It says when the stream broke against it. When the storms came and caused the waters to break against the house, storms are going to come. What are these storms? In the passage, it does not explicitly say what these storms are, but we're able to say that there are two different times, two different types that we face in this life and into eternity. We have the circumstances of this life. It could be a job layoff, an unforeseen diagnosis, a great loss, a wayward family member. The list goes on. In what 
Jesus is getting at, especially and more explicitly in the Matthew passage, is final judgment. In the parallel passage in Matthew, um, he shared towards the foolish man, those storms are eternal. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The wise man that built his house on a solid foundation had his house stand. Construction took longer, but it stood. The foolish man who built his house on the ground, the house could have looked the same, could have even looked better than the wise man's. But when the storms came, it showed it for what it was worth. You see, because storms test the quality of the building. When storms come, our faith is tested. Storms do not make our faith true. Storms reveal if our faith is true. Storms do not make our faith true, but storms reveal if our faith is true. Storms reveal from what, from the outside or from first glance, cannot. We are all builders. We're building something. Storms are coming. So build wisely. Thirdly, build wisely. So we've come to the portion of the sermon that, you're like, you're at, you're at point three, and you're like, I'm Dave, you've not yet said what the foundation is. We're getting there. We're getting there. And you may be able to pick up that Jesus is getting at the thought that there are individuals who could say that they are disciples of Jesus, but when the storms come, it's revealed that they're not. We have identified that some of the, what some of those storms may be. And what is it then that makes one's faith authentic? Answering simply that they're able to weather the storms of life still falls short of answering that. What is it what is it that actually enables them to weather the storm? Before I was a pastor here at um, Liberty, I worked at a country club. It was the, the country club of Scranton. I believe that I've shared that before. And part of my role there was um, I was in charge of, of tea times. And I was in charge of giving... Um, all the members, tea time, setting it up, working it out, and making sure that if they brought any guests, that their guests were able to meet up with them. It was a fun job. I, I joke about it that I kind of did my you know, jobs backwards because normally that's the job that a lot of people retire to, and then they like get that job. Like My office had a window, and it overlooked the 18th green, and it was on top of a mountain. It was glorious, and then when I came here, I got an office with no windows, and I was there for eight years. And so now I have a window, and I could see the snow this morning. That's besides the thought. One day, Mr. Trzewski... Um, came in and he wanted to set up a tea time for later that week. It was one other person. 
It was a guest. It was kind of out of the normal. It was out of normal. He always golfed with the same three guys. And I said, okay. And I still remember these kind of worthless things. It's going to be you, Mr. Gallardi, Dr. Rebar, and Stavitsky, right? Still there. It's still in there. I don't know why. He's like, oh, no, no, no. Just me and a guest. Okay, well, may I have the name of your guest? Well, I'd rather not share it. Okay, well, we would like to be able to um, know when your guest arrives who they are so that we could be able to put them on the golf cart with you and let you know that, that you are here and let, um, let you know that they're here and let them know where they can find you. He goes, well, I, I just don't really want... You'll know who it is. Okay. And then he kind of just bends over a little bit and he goes, okay, it's Sandy Koufax. And I go, wait, the Sandy Koufax. And for some of you, you're like, who's she? It's not a she, okay? <laughs> all right, Sandy Koufax, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, arguably the greatest left-handed pitcher of all time, Major League Baseball. And I'm like, wait, wait, he's coming here? It's like, yeah, he's... He and I are friends. I go, great. And I go, do you, do you think he would, like, sign anything for me? <laughs> Dave, he would love to sign something for you. I go, great, because I'm going to ask him. <laughs> so he goes out. He leaves. I pick up the phone. I call my dad immediately. And I'm like, Dad, any Sandy Koufax baseball card you have, send it to me. I'm going to see if I can get it signed for you. He stops immediately what he's doing at that moment, which I think was prepping for a sermon. And he just goes and gets it, sends it. He goes, I think it's going to be on its way. It should be there on time. The day comes. It's not there yet. Mr. Koufax comes, goes out to the car, goes out onto the course. It's not there yet. While he's out on the course, my wife rushes it in, brings it to me, and I grab some baseballs as well, four. Um, and, and I'm waiting there, and he gets back in, and I had to uh, work up the courage to approach him. And I asked him if he'd be willing to sign a card and four baseballs. <laughs> and I gave him the card, and you can see it here on, on, the, on the screen. He took a look at the card with the imposed signature on it. Like that, that's not his, that's not like a real, that's like a fake one. It, it was printed like that with the card. And he goes, I got a story for you. I'm like, do tell. The signature on this card is not my signature. I'm like, what? He's like, well, when Topps trading cards came to the practice field, um, I, was, I was already, you know, in the shower. I was unavailable, so um, my manager signed it for me. My manager signed it for me, and he does a pretty good job. He did a pretty good job of signing my signature. There's, there's some things that are wrong about it, but you know what? This signature has been used to fake my signature. He goes, but it's not mine, and I'll show you why. If you look at the X, and you can go to the next slide, um, if you look at the X, he goes like, I always loop my X. There you go. 
I've always wanted to use this in an illustration. He's like, it's not, it's not my signature. And it's been used as a forgery by many. But you can tell it's my signature if the X is looped. So what is it that makes a disciple's faith authentic? I think that you have been able to go through and you can see it plainly in the text. It's just for the sake of the sermon. Now we're dropping it, okay? It's obedience. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them in the way that it takes the actual signature of Sandy Koufax to make his signature real is that it's the obedience that comes out of the life of the disciple of Jesus because disciples of Jesus bear God's signature on their hearts, the Holy Spirit. James 1, the 25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, freedom, And perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. So how does this obedience play out? Well, good news, you don't have to look any further than than chapter 6 that we are already in. How does this obedience play out? It's being able to recognize that the blessed life belongs to the poor, belongs to the hungry, belongs to those who weep. And it's not just a mental or mind understanding of that, but there are actions that go with that obedience, and it is, it is loving your enemies. Asking for blessing for those who abuse you. It's giving to the needy. It's having a spirit free of judgment. And these are not works that are added on to salvation. These are fruit that are bore because the Holy Spirit resides within the disciple of Jesus. And the signature of God is on our hearts. And I would say that it's not about works. If what you're hearing right now is like, Dave, sounds like you're just adding works to it. It's a death. It's a death. Loving one's enemies. Blessing those who abuse you is a super 
supernatural work. It's not a work that's brought out from our own effort of trying harder, of doing more, of pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. It's a call to surrender. It's a call to surrender of being able to say, Lord, this is what I want for that person. But I surrender my will to your will. This is not about trying harder and adding on things. The obedience is not about trying harder to say, look at what I did, Lord. It's the surrender of saying, Lord, I know that in my heart, I want this for this person and I want that for that person. But I know that you have called me to follow after you. And as I follow after you, I am going to walk through storms and storms are going to break against the foundation and break against my house. And I know that the only way that that is able to stand is if I am surrendering and continually surrendering my life to you. And that's only able to happen to an Enable me to be able to forgive and to love my enemies and to pray blessing over those who abuse me. This is nothing short of a full surrender of our life. We're building something. Storms are going to come. We need to build wisely. And this is a great aspect of here and as we're all gathered together this morning it may be good for us to remind one another of this as the storms hit few times will a storm hit everyone all at the same time there may be a storm in between individuals in this room Maybe the greatest thing that we are able to do is surrender. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples. Your love for one another. We dig down deep under the house under the building that we are building. Will we find that obedient surrender? For those of us this morning that are like, man, I, Dave, I've checked those boxes of the correct doctrine. I've checked those boxes of like, I'm engaged in worship. I'm engaged in, sh- in serving, but man, it's, it's super hard. It's super hard of what you're, what you're saying. I know. But it's not about you trying harder. It's actually about you saying, here you go, Lord. I want to follow you through the storm. I want to follow you. And if you are here today and you're like, I know I'm not a follower of Jesus. Today's the day. Today can be that day. Today can be that day where you see the invitation of Jesus. And I'd love to be able to talk to you after the service about that. Let's pray. 
God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the words that you have for us today. And obedience is, um, it can be a difficult thing when we're holding on to our own desires and our own passions. It takes surrender. Lord, may we look to you. May we look to you not only as our Lord and Master, but as a person who made that way, who set the pace, who shows what it looks like. As you submitted to the will of the Father, as you surrendered your life so that we may be free. Lord, and may we go out from here more in love with you and seeking to love others well. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.